You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on a bonus edition of Locked On Pels because there is a game on Saturday, and we got to talk about it preview it and see if anything Portland's got left to counter the Pelicans with. I got one thing that's really it and not much else. But before we get to that, we're going to have some fun. And I've got Will Guillory of Nolaga.com, the Times-Picayune on to chat about the series. Also pose a question to all of you. What's the most disrespectful moment in New Orleans, in professional New Orleans basketball history? Let's go from just when the Hornets came down here. Is it the Drew Holiday pointing at the dead body of Yusuf Nurkic on the court and laughing at him? Or is there another one? And I'll bring that up at the very end because I asked my own team over at LockedOnPels.com what they thought. And we have a couple of them. So we'll ask that question and I'll pose it to you guys on Twitter. But let's just jump into it. It's a bonus edition. We don't need to do too much talking on here. And let's just get to the guest. And joining me now on Locked On Pelicans, I've got Will Guillory of NOLA.com, the Pelicans beat writer. Will, thanks for taking some time to hop on here with me. No, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate you bringing a guy on that's lacking clout, you know, so it's good to, to finally get a little clout from you. Maybe it'll rub off on me and maybe, you know, I'll be okay by tomorrow night. My, I'll share whatever minimal clout I have with you and, <laughs> and hopefully we can raise our games this way. One person who has a ton of clout right now is Anthony Davis, and he basically killed Nurkic on that putback dunk last night. Is what Drew Holiday did, where he just points at, and laughs, maybe the most disrespectful move in Pelicans and Hornets history so far? I would say that's got to at least be top three. I don't even know if there's anything other, any other one that comes to mind. I even compete to it. And I, I think the dunk was disrespectful enough, but then to just stand over the poor guy and point at him. I mean, that was just mean spirited by Drew. I, I don't know. That was that was had to be like one of the, the the best of the. You know, that was probably like twenty great moments last night. But that that definitely had to be top two or three for sure. That that had to be one of the funnier things. He didn't even do it. He's just laughing at someone who who, who just got again murdered. Like it looked like a crime committed. Do you think he's pointing and is like scared because once a man's killed like that, they only start to come back alive because they're a zombie and he's a little bit worried? Or is he pointing to the the spot where the ambulance needs to go to take away the body? Yeah, I think he was just pointing like, "Oh my God, it's a dead body right there." And I think it was so funny that. Part of it was that he was—it was just complete shock. I, I bet if he, you were to ask him about it, he was like, "I don't even know what I was doing right there." It looked like he was just a complete shock to see Nurkic just knocked over like that, and to see Anthony flying through the air. Obviously, we see AD flying through the air, dunking on people all the time, but to do it in that environment and, and just hit a crowd go crazy—I'm willing to bet he probably just blacked out for a moment there. <laughs> he just came to and was like, "That's how you debate, right?" Um, <laughs> So, yeah, he, he, I mean, AD got really vertical last night, and it seemed like that's a, a, a culmination of games one and two where he was using a lot of his mid-range stuff to kind of soften up that defense, and then everything just opened up last night for the Pels. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, you know, after the first two games, Portland was going to come in here and try to stop AD and Drew from taking over. So you saw it was Nico last night that just had a bunch of open looks. He was cutting through the lane, getting easy layups, 
And that's the biggest thing with this Pelican team right now is that they have so many different weapons. They can attack you in so many different ways. It's tough to really game plan them on a night-to-night basis because you say, okay, we want to take the lobs away from Anthony. Well, that's going to open up the threes for uh, Nico. If you say, okay, we want to stop Drew from driving in the lane, we got to send a little help over to him to stop him from getting to the basket. Well, then that's just going to open up the lobs for AD. You try to stop Nico from shooting threes, then that opens up the driving lanes for uh, Drew Holiday. So they could just kill you in so many different ways. They got so many different weapons, and the offense is just clicking perfectly right now. So, I mean, they, they got to be one of the most dangerous teams in the West right now, for sure. Assuming they win, and I think that's almost a safe bet at this point, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Golden State has to be unhappy that they're going to play the Pelicans in the next round. I don't want to say they're, they're scared or anything, but I think that you look at this, you'd much rather play Portland. Definitely, and especially considering the news that came out that Stephen Curry might not be ready by the start of the next series, so that has to be a little bit scary. And part of it also for this Pelicans team is that not too long ago, remember, they went into Golden State and beat those guys in that building in a, in a really great game. Uh, so I think that this Pelicans team is going to go in there playing with a ton of confidence. We know they've been good on the road all year. Golden State, you know, has been kind of their Achilles heel over the past few years ever since that playoff series. But going in and getting that win in Oracle, I think is going to be huge for this team going into that series. And just their confidence because obviously you're going to have to go in there and get a win if you have a chance of winning that series. And the way that this team is playing, especially on the road, you got to think they got a ton of confidence going into that series. And they think they can really put a scare in this Golden State team. Yeah, it, that'll be a fun one, I, I think, for sure. And you have to feel kind of good about how, maybe their chances in that. And I think just not getting swept in the second round, if you are playing Golden State, you've got to look at that almost as like a victory for this team in and of itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, considering, I mean, you were in the building those first few games that the boogie went down. This this place was like a ghost town. I mean, it was completely empty. The The fans were dejected. The players were dejected. They were looking around. They didn't have an answer of what, what they wanted to do, how they were going to solve the problem, what they were going to do to replace boogie. And now they're just playing at such a high level that they have so much confidence in what they're doing right now. So to get to this point is just a huge win. And I think just that last night, just to have that moment in the Smoothie King Center where it's a packed house, the crowds into it. Manny Fresh was performing at halftime. You, the I mean, surprise just, guest. This is like Coachella here where people step out on stage. I know it's a little sensitive right now bringing up Coachella around the <laughs> Pelicans. But, but I think, you know, just, just that moment last night, I think that was one of the at least uh, one of the top two moments in, in New Orleans basketball history. Just, just the way everything culminated last night, the big blowout, packed house, so many guys in the building. I mean, it's something that they can build on going into the future, and it's something that they can really use to to obviously build this this fan base up and really convince the people in this town that you can fall in love with this team. You know, in the past, there's been so many injuries, so many doubts about what the coaching staff is going to look like, what the front office is going to look like. You know, is AD going to be around for the future? But last night they really showed that this is a team that you can buy into, that you can fall in love with, and that's something that you can build on going into the future. Yeah, it, it definitely bodes well for next season. The other thing, and you mentioned this, th- this team has a ton of confidence right now, and it seems a lot of that is because these guys really trust one another, and that's really been showing on the court in the locker room. Yeah, I think uh, there's no doubt when you're around these guys, you see them at practice, you see them in the locker room, that they're, they're a group that really likes each other. They enjoy being around each other. A lot of times you go into these locker rooms and you'll see one click of guys over here, one click of guys over there. But that's just not the case with this team. Everybody on this team talks. 
They all like each other. They all root for each other. When you see a guy make a big play, like I, the one that stands out in my mind is that big left-handed dunk by Drew in Portland, and you saw the entire bench jump up and go crazy. And that, I mean, that's not phony. That, those guys really enjoy seeing one one of those other guys make a big play like that. And that, that's something that you need as a basketball team. You need everybody to really be united, be behind each other, and that's a, a huge part of this team's success so far. Yeah, and, and then it just kind of carries o- over to the fans where they can see this. And, like, this is, like you said, a team people can really get behind. Where in years past, let's say, it wasn't necessarily the most likable team. No one really cared for Eric Gordon as a fan. You know, Tyreek Evans was hit or miss. Same thing with Ryan Anderson. But when you see these guys just trying hard and caring about each other, you can feel it kind of getting all into the Smoothie King Center and really just raising their energy level a little bit. So now we get towards game four, uh, and Portland, I think, made their counter move in maybe starting uh, Mo Harkless in place of the injured Evan Turner, and that flamed out. Is there anything they can do to maybe try and get one here in New Orleans, or are we looking like it's probably just going to be a sweep? Yeah, I would I would pretty much bet that it's going to be a sweep just because, just like you said, I mean, I don't think they really have any more counter moves left. The biggest thing for them is that obviously they need Nurkers to play really well, but what the Pelicans have shown through this first three games of the this series is that there's no way you can nowhere you can hide them on the court. I mean, you put them on AD, AD's flying all over the place, getting lobs. You put them on Nico Miritich, he's going to bring them out to the three-point line, and they just really can't function without him on the court. They need his rebounding. If, if the Pelicans are going to keep trapping Dame Lillard the way they are, they need his passing in the middle of the court. And if you take him off the court, and put in like an Ed Davis or you play Aminu at the five, I think that kills a lot of what they want to do. And you saw in game two, I think, when Nurkic went out, if you put Ed Davis at the five, then guys like Drew Holiday are driving to the paint, and they see no fear in Ed Davis. They don't really see him as a formidable shot blocker in the paint. So so often you saw, if you look at the highlights of that Drew Holiday clip in the game two, He's just going in there. He's just jumping into the air and flicking up these little left-hand layups just because he doesn't think Ed Davis has a shot of blocking his shot. And Nurkic isn't necessarily a shot blocker, but he's a, he's a big body down there, and he's a presence. And I think you need him on the court, but it's just so difficult for him on the defensive end to really hang with these two big guys from the Pelicans. And it's just, it's just leaving this Portland team, you know, they're looking nothing like the team we saw all season. I think it's crazy the way it, they pretty much just new to this team, but they, they look like a eight, they look like a one eight series right now. And it is crazy to think that Portland was one of the best teams in the West. They had a great shot of, of pushing maybe for the two seed at one point, but I mean they, they're just you know out of it. it, it I think Dame Lillard is out of it. CJ McCollum is out of it, and they don't look like any. They look like they're just ready to go home at this point. I mean, Lillard Lillard just looked dejected in Game 3. And to try and beat what the Pelicans are doing with these traps on the perimeter, he's got to get the ball out of his hands to someone else quickly. And he didn't even want to do that. He had no trust in his teammates whatsoever in Game 3. And he just decided to go one-on-one and attack and then ended up with eight turnovers compared to five shots. They've got to figure something out because if Lillard's playing like that, this team's cooked, basically. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, anybody that watches Portland team knows that they they run as far as Damian Lillard goes, especially emotionally. When you talk about second half, fourth quarters, they, they've won a ton of games this year with Damian Lillard hitting big shots, really you know forcing them across the finish line. And if they really can't go to him, I don't know where where else they can go. Especially just like we said, if, if Nurkic is really out of it, he's not making an impact. C.J. McCollum, he isn't really doing much. And then they, they they don't have Evan Turner. Maybe he'll play in game four. Who knows? But he, he's another ball handler. They, they can trust when the ball's out of those other two guys' hands. 
So I, I, I think the, we were joking last night. So often you would see it come down to the end of the shot clock and they would give it to Aminu at the top of the key. And he's up there dribbling, trying to score on Anthony Davis. And it's like, wait, is this the game plan? Is this how you think you're going to beat the Pelicans? Because if so, I mean, they, they might beat you 10 times in a row. I, I don't know if that's, that's really the, the way to go here. But, I mean, it just shows that they're just so flustered and they, they really can't find the answer of what to do with this defense or how to attack or get Dame Lillard going. And it's just been a struggle for them. Yeah, and I mean, if they don't get anything there, and maybe they try some different screen setters for him, but it hasn't really done much. And maybe you try and get McCollum in there a little bit too to set some picks. But I don't know if there's really much going on. And you know, you just look at this team, and they've grown leaps and bounds. So is this just a lot of them coming together, coaching, just kind of the perfect storm? Do you think having to just game plan for the same team over and over again now in a series, watch some film with them, adjust, watch more film? It's a little bit different than the regular season. How's that played into? What's kind of transpired with the Pelicans going up three to nothing? Yeah, I think a big part of that is where you see the Rondo factor coming with this team because he's such a big presence in that locker room as a guy that has been in way more playoff games than pretty much anybody else on the roster. And he's really guiding this team through this whole process and what it takes to, you know, a game plan against another team, adjust going from game one to game two. How do you react when you come back home and you got to leave? You know, he's he's talking them through every step of this uh, this series, and uh, that's really been one of the biggest parts of his uh, his input on this team. And I think uh, just the way that they're adjusting to this team, the way the coaching staff is really game plan. And I think in game two, I thought it really stood out the way that uh, I thought Portland really threw that their the counter. Uh, Amina was hitting a bunch of shots. Nurkic had like 11 to 12 points in the first half, and it seemed like Portland was really getting into their comfort zone against the Pelicans, and, and Alvin Gentry just came out in the second half and said, no, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep trapping Al, uh, Damian Lillard. We're going to force these other guys to beat me, and then that offense just wilted, and I think you got to give a ton of credit to Darren Ehrman and Alvin Gentry, the way that they've been so committed to their game plan and the way they have these guys locked in to what they're doing and what it takes to stop this Portland team. And they're just playing with a ton of confidence on the defensive end, and they're just shutting this Portland team down. Yeah, and it's been tremendous to see, and we can see the city just kind of getting behind the team. I see Pelicans gear everywhere now, and it's been a lot of fun. And they do sound like they kind of thrive off of that atmosphere that was in the Smoothie King Center last night. So I forgot that also when we were talking, when we started this, about Nurkic getting killed with that Anthony Davis dunk. He got hit in the face with an Anthony Davis block shot, right? Uh, no, I think that was Zach Collins. That was oh, Zach okay. Collins that caught that one, yeah. That was that was unfortunate for the rook. He got one hit in the face. I thought Anthony told him to get that stuff out of here. So that was unfortunate. That's another thing. I mean, you take Nurkic out, and they really don't have an answer on the bench. You bring it in Zach Collins. I saw Myers Leonard last night. I was like, man, I'm hoping Boogie doesn't limp his way on the court and try to put <laughs> Myers Leonard in the chokehold. You know, they got a little bit of history there. So, I mean, I think the big guys on this Portland team, they're really struggling. And, and, you know, Anthony's just in their nightmares right now. Yeah, and also by Anthony Davis making Nurkic very ineffective, Ed Davis ineffective, it forces Portland to go to that bench a little bit earlier. And I thought in game one, you know, when they had, I think it was 21 second chance points, the majority of that came against the Pels' second unit where they grabbed a bunch of offensive boards, threw those back up for shots. And now all of a sudden these guys have to get forced into action earlier against AD. And Portland's kind of lost that advantage with the second unit that they maybe had. 
Yeah, and I think that's one of the uh, one of the reasons that this offense has struggled so much because uh, that's one of their biggest weapons is that their second chance points they hit the offensive boards and that's how they get a lot of those open looks for Dane Lillard and C.J. McCollum because obviously, I mean it's not a secret what the Pelicans are doing it, that you got to take out Dane Lillard to beat this uh, Portland team. But so often they will kill you where Ed Davis will get those tip outs or Nurkic will grab an offensive rebound and kick it out and you got C.J. McCollum stepping into a wide open three and you just haven't seen that this series that there haven't been a, a ton of open looks off of those second chance opportunities and when you take those away then you're putting even more pressure on Daniels to really force shots up really create opportunities for themselves and I think especially with CJ last night you saw him taking shots over two three guys just because he was worried about it if he didn't then he wouldn't really have a chance to get his shot up and I think just the way they're playing defense they're, they're really forcing these guys to really rush their shots they're taking shots in areas that they're really not used to. Damian Lillard is giving up the ball and just letting other guys do that thing, which is something you never see from him. He's he's so such a forceful presence for this team, and it just really has taken this team out of its source, and they don't really know how to react to what's going on. Yeah, and uh, like we were saying, they just kind of look done, and the body language and everything just makes it seem like they just want to go home and not go home to play another game, but just go home for the summer and hang out and not have to deal with this anymore. And I think Portland's going to be faced with some really interesting choices this offseason on whether they want to keep this Man. core together or not. It's, it's weird because you look at a team like the Wizards, and it's like you can't keep paying into the luxury tax for what they're doing. Portland's been ducking it for years. And, you know, do you have to maybe break this backcourt up of Lillard and McComb? Because it's not working. It is absolutely not working. And obviously you got a contract situation with Nurkic coming up. I mean, they don't, they don't know, you know, what's the long term. They, they gave a couple of these uh, young guys deals like Aminu, uh, Mo Harkless. Some of these guys, Evan Turner's on a big deal with them. So you don't know how that's going to work out going into the future. So I, I don't know what this team is going to look like. Obviously, there's going to be some questions about Terry Stotts if they end up getting you know swept in this series. If it's another ugly loss on Saturday, there's some questions about him. So I think uh, it's a scary situation if you're a Portland fan of what this team's going to look like in the future. And then uh, obviously we dealt with this here in New Orleans with Anthony. But if Damian Lillard feels like he can't win in Portland. And who knows what his future looks like with that, that team? Maybe he starts looking around to see where he wants to go in the future. So, I mean, not only is this a bad loss just for this season, but this could have a huge effect on the way this Trailblazers team looks two, three years down the road. And I used to, we've seen this in the past with teams in the playoffs where you have a great season and you come into the playoffs, you'll get demolished, and that completely changes everything for your franchise. I, th- I think back to that 50-whatever point loss uh, the, the Hornets had when Chris Paul was here to Denver. Yeah. And everybody felt good about that team. And then they came in here and got whipped. And everybody started looking around like, hey, maybe this thing isn't going to work in the future. And a few years later, we were staring at a, a lottery team that, that eventually picked Anthony Davis with the number one pick. Yeah, they're, they're going to be faced with some hard choices. So for game four, any news on what the halftime act is going to be? No news yet. I'm still waiting. I'm hoping for maybe we can get a gold tanker here with Master P, something like that. Well, there we maybe go. we can uh maybe we can periscope my guy BG in from jail. I don't know, but I'm hoping something <laughs> like that. We got to keep the New Orleans flavor going. I'm telling you, I was like a kid in the candy store up there in the media section during uh during the halftime show, and I think uh, some of the Portland guys, the writers from Portland, were looking at me and Scott Kushner like, man, what's going on with these guys over there? But we were just having <laughs> too much fun, and I think that was. I think last night, my favorite part of the night was definitely the halftime show, and I don't think it was even close. 
No, it's it's either that or what happened with Holiday pointing and laughing and Nurkic. Although I will say, one of the refs got hit in the face with a ball, and then Anthony Davis accidentally tripped one who then hit the ground pretty hard, which you're getting some yeah, unintentional comedy in this. I know, maybe he had a worse night than Nurkic did, but still. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, part of it, I think also you got to throw up there as the boogie chant. I, I think that was an amazing moment for this team just to show that the fan base is really all in on this team. They're still believing in boogie. And uh, you hear from AD and Drew uh, after these games, they talk about, hey, we want boogie here, not just because he's supporting the team, but we want him to see what it's like for when he comes back for when it's time for him to be a part of this team where we're making playoff runs in the future that you could be a part of this and you see what this crowd looks like. And I think that's a huge selling point for them last night that, hey, this fan base still loves you. They still want you. We haven't forgotten about you. I know a lot of people, every time I do one of these uh, radio interviews, people ask me, hey, are they better without Boogie? The answer is, is this no. show they don't need Boogie. Exactly. And I, that's my answer every time. Like, no. When you, they may look good against this Portland team, but when you get deeper in the playoffs, you need star players. It doesn't hurt to have a guy that you get, get to 25 and 13 in the playoffs. So I think bringing him back is going to be a, a huge step for this team going forward. And, man, it, it makes the team terrifying. If they can bring Boogie back and he's just 80% of the guy he was, and you still got Miritich, you still got Drew Holiday, there's some questions about Rajon Rondo. But, I mean, this team could be really dangerous going into the future. Yeah, this is going to be – no matter what happens the rest of the way, this is very exciting if you're a Pelicans fan. And I think Saturday night in the Smoothie King Center, it's going to be another wild party like we saw. So, Will, thanks so much for coming on with me. Everyone give him a follow at Will Guillory on uh, Twitter. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on. We Hopefully we finally got the clout scores increased here and we don't need to ever have to have that questioned ever again, at least for you. you guys can question me. <laughs> yeah, I think my clout average is like a .5 right now. So, you know, I, my per minute average is pretty good, but, you there know, my overall go. averages aren't great. You know, we but we're still working on it. Per 100 possessions, Will, you look outstanding here. So, <laughs> so thanks again for coming on with me. Hey, man, I appreciate it. So you guys know this is a special Saturday edition of Long Done Pelicans, though it's being posted on Friday to give you guys it whenever you want to listen. But sometimes these pods come out when you're not ready for them, so make sure you subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. It notifies you right away when there's a new episode out, so make sure you always listen and subscribe. So some injury news as we get towards Game 4 here in the Smoothie King Center Saturday night. Both Mole Harkless and Evan Turner are both questionable for Game 4. Harkless in his left knee, Turner in his right toe, which held him out of Game 3. They need maybe both those guys here to try and make the Pelicans pay a little bit for what they're doing to Damian Lillard on the perimeter with those traps along with C.J. McCollum. Harkless in particular I thought would be a matchup problem for the Pels, and if Lillard could get the ball out of his hands, which he did a terrible, terrible job of trying to do in Game 3, if you got it to Harkless, maybe that would create some matchup issues for the Pels. He's a good three-point shooter. You can rely on him a little bit more, except he was largely ineffective in Game 3. I think it was five total points. Didn't really make the Pelicans pay for anything, which, hey, good for the Pels. And then if he's out there, that's even, or if he's out of the game, that's even better for New Orleans. So worth keeping an eye on. Though they're questionable, that can often mean that these guys are going to end up playing in the game. Something just to to see there, because I don't know what else Portland can really do. The only thing kind of watching some of this film here is whenever they've had CJ McCollum scream for Damian Lillard, which you don't necessarily want to do because that's easy to kind of get around and you want to try and get one of these guys on a switch match 
matched up against a big is when they've had a little bit more breathing room and McCollum is a screener that the Pels need to pay attention to. So I think that's something that you might see more of in game four. But that's really the only other thing I could try and see Portland doing to kind of get things going for them, unless it's just Lillard or McCollum get hot just by their shooting. And I'm not entirely sure we're going to see that. Both look, especially Lillard, that they just want to go home and not go home and play more basketball. So we'll see what happens there. It's going to be interesting, though. The chess match is starting to wind down here in this series. We've kind of seen both teams play all of their cards, and New Orleans has had a much better hand. So... Asked you guys a question in the beginning. Will and I talked about it too. I posed it to him. What's the most disrespectful moment in Pelicans, Hornets, New Orleans pro basketball history? And I don't really have a number of them, but I asked the guys over at Locked On Pels. And the first one that immediately got brought up, and I think this is really up there. This has got to be the number two, if not number one, or at least the only thing that maybe contend against what Drew Holiday did, was David West patting Dirk Nowitzki on the cheek. Yeah, that was a thing. Look it up. That was a good one. That's pretty disrespectful. And, you know, the other one was maybe that other block in the game against Portland uh, the other night that we talked about with Will, where Davis just blocked the hell out of that ball and it hit Zach Collins in the face. And the shot of that, the, the single image of it, is absolutely brutal if you're Zach Collins. Man, doesn't look very good. Then you've also maybe got the one of Jason Smith checking Blake Griffin with that hip check, shoulder check that then got thrown out of the game. But the stakes weren't high in that one. I don't know if that's just disrespectful as a hard-hitting play. I don't know if that really counts in here. But let me know on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake and at Locked On Pels what you guys think is the most disrespectful moment in New Orleans, Hornets, Pelicans, whatever you want to say, history, because I think it's a pretty fun question. And I mean, it's really tough to top what Drew Holiday did there. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Enjoy the game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully the Pelicans can close out this series with a sweep tonight in the Smoothie King Center. It's going to be loud. It's going to be red. That's what they're doing. Maybe we get a surprise um, halftime show because this was a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for listening for, throughout the week and during this playoff run, the end of the season, getting into the playoffs. This has been a whole lot of fun. Locked on Pels is hitting record numbers and that's all thanks to you guys. So I just want you to know that I appreciate all of you guys taking your time to listen into the show. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday to recap game four.